me start us off with a word of prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we come. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for a good day. We're thankful for a gracious, good God. We're thankful for hope. We're thankful for peace. Uh, we're thankful for an anchor that, that holds. Uh, we pray that tonight as we study your word that we grow in your truth, uh, that, we are, that we are wiser leaving here tonight, and more than that, that we're equipped to stand in a messed up world tonight. I, I pray for our kids that are learning. I pray for a foundation that's being built. I pray that there's ears to hear, uh, hearts to receive, and I pray that, again, it blesses you. I pray for our youth meeting across the way, the same thing that they grow uh, that, that the foundation of your truth is stacked, is built upon, uh, and that, that it's an anchor that's going to hold not just in the short term, but in the long term. And then I pray for our other adult classes meeting tonight, same thing, uh, I pray that, that the teaching of your word uh, is empowered by you. And then I pray tonight for us uh, here in this room, those listening in a different way tonight, I pray that, that again, we, we grab onto your truth uh, that we're built by it. And I pray for a supernatural response uh, to the proclamation of the truth of God's word. We tell you we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are moving along in our Bible study. We're on the 53rd lesson. Uh, tonight we're finishing up a section on the Proverbs. We went through about five weeks looking at the Psalms. We went through, I think this is the sixth week, uh, looking at some of the Proverbs Next week, we're going to have a lesson on the years of captivity. Uh, what does that mean? What does that entail? Why is that important uh, for us as we understand who Christ is in the New Testament? So we're going to jump from our study in Proverbs, these uh, six lessons, to uh, a lesson on the years of captivity and, again, what that means. And so that's going to be uh, next Wednesday night. Tonight, our, our lesson is entitled Proverbs, the Straight and Narrow. Proverbs, the Straight and Narrow. And narrow. Our, our verses tonight are found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. And we'll look at some other verses as we go along, but that's going to be our, our, our big set of verses. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. The key point tonight, as believers walking in godly wisdom, now remember we've been talking about the intake of godly wisdom. Now walking in godly wisdom is a practice of choosing to live in obedience to God's word. Uh, that is an effort made up of seeking righteousness and avoiding sin. Those two things. Okay, so we have God's wisdom given to us in his word. Well, if we're actually going to walk that out, we have to be diligent. We have to be thoughtful. We have to be uh, really committed to seeking righteousness. We'll talk about that. And actually avoiding sin. That's what it means uh, to not just have godly wisdom, but to walk in it. Now, remember, as we start our study tonight, uh, Proverbs is, is uh, very strange, very interesting, really a great blessing because it is God's wisdom actually recorded and given to us. And so you have the creator God of all things, infinite in wisdom, knows all things, gracious to us, kind to us, wants the best for us, and he says, well, here is my wisdom. So this is the recording of God's wisdom. So it's not an expert somewhere. It's not somebody that thinks they know something. Uh, this is the wisdom from God. And so that's a very awesome thing. Uh, so again, we're going to continue tonight in the study of Proverbs. This will wrap up this section. Now, the first section on your sheet says a better way. Now, I want you to think about this. How do most of us live? And I'm talking about most folks walking, most folks living 
How do we live? Well, here's what it looks like. We go through life and we are led by our feelings and our desires, which means this. I think I'd like to have this job. I think I'd like to drive this car. I think I'd like to, to date these people or marry this person. And, and we're really just driven by our feelings. This feels good. This makes me happy. I don't like these things and our desires. This is something I want. So we make our decisions based upon our feelings and our desires. Uh, what we do is what seems best to us. And so you think, you know what? I want to live in this town. That seems best. And so I live there. Hey, I want to go to this school. That seems best. And so we do that. What we want to do is what, is what seems best to us. As we do that, over the course of life, we run into trouble. And that's, that's a given. We run into trouble. When we run into trouble, we all of a sudden scramble to find relief. Man, I've made a mess. Here I've had a wreck. Something's gone wrong. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it's in something else. And I've got to get some relief. And so sometimes we go seek out the advice of others. Well, what does Bill say? Or what does Fred say? And they, they'll say, well, I wouldn't do that, or I would do that. Or sometimes we go find an expert. What does the expert say? What would they direct us to do? And we go listen to them. Then, if it's bad enough, we go to the church and say, well, what has God said? And maybe the pastor will tell us, or maybe we'll go and find it in the, in the Bible. But, but if it's ba that bad, we'll go and we'll take that advice. Uh, short of that, we'll just go see what the world says. And our goal is that we just get back to normal. Just let me get back to normal. If we can get back to normal, that's my goal. And then once it seems that that problem is over, we pick up the pieces that are left, and they're usually all messed up and banged up and got bullet holes in them. And we try to put things back together, and we try to go on back to life. Now, that's, that's the pattern of most people. What I want to do, I do. What seems right to me is how I'm going to prioritize my life. When I get into trouble, I'll try to get out of it. If it's, if it's serious trouble, I'll see what God says about that. But the goal is just get back with it. Just get back to normal. And we're actually walking through life, and we've got all sorts of guilt, and we've got all sorts of shame, and we've got all sorts of, of grief and pain, and we're just hoping to get uh, down the road into the next episode. Here's the thing. There's always going to be a next episode. And so, you know what, I, I got this pulled off, everything's fine, I'm going to make it, I'm going to get to the next episode. I don't know how you describe that, that's kind of really just go as you go, or maybe just living trouble to trouble, uh, maybe it's living by trial and error, except it doesn't seem that we learn, we make the same mistake over and over. Well, here's the point to our study tonight. There is a better way to live. We were talking this afternoon I hope our kids here, there's a better way to live. I hope our youth here, there is a better way to live. God gives us his wisdom through his word. His, his word tells us how to avoid sin and how to walk in righteousness. If we will listen to his word through the direction of his word, we can avoid the traps of life and, and the dangers of sin, and we can live in peaceful righteousness. There was a day that, that that sounded like a goofy word or that sounded like a religious word. But now, now that I'm a little bit older, I think, you know what? To be at peace just sounds good. To go to bed and sleep at night, to not to have crazy stuff all the time, that sounds like a pretty good thing. Well, what about this and big houses and all this stuff? 
You know what? There's a whole lot of folks that would just like to have peace. Well, God in his word tells us there is a way to find peace, to live at peace, and he tells us that in his word. All right, we're going to move through our verses tonight, and it's going to walk this out. How to walk in righteousness and how to avoid sin. Our verses again, Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20. All right, Proverbs 4, verse 20 says this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. All right, verse 20. God has given us his wisdom. We've said that a whole bunch of times. It's not the wisdom of the world. In fact, I have found it seems to be almost opposite of the world. If the world says, here's where you'll find peace, most of the time it is opposite of that. And so God has given us his wisdom. It's not the wisdom of the world. It's the, the wisdom of our creator and the designer of all things. He not only wants us to pay attention to it, here's the thing, he commands us, pay attention to it. He not only says, hey, this is good, listen, he actually commands us to pay attention to it. All right, let me ask this, and, and, and there's no right answer, just something to think about. If you know this is God's word and you believe that and you know he is infinite, has all wisdom, and if you know he wants the best for you, why even knowing this do we hesitate to become proficient in the word of God? Why do we hesitate? Why do we mess around? I, I, I heard a long time ago um, in, in some of the, the Middle Eastern nations that the average 14-year-old has memorized the Koran. And I, I think if we went to a lot of churches and said, tell me 10 verses, we might put people in an uncomfortable spot. They've memorized the Koran. They value it that much. If this is God's wisdom, the best way to live, why are we so hesitant to become proficient in it? I think about the things of life. There's folks that they, they know golf, and they can tell you these things about golf. They know hunting, and they'll say, do these things. They know cooking. Uh, cook it for this long and then do this. And they become proficient in things. But when we say, well, yes, we love the word of God. Well, can you tell me uh, what, the, what the period of captivity is? What the Proverbs are? Uh, what the songbook, the Psalms are? We say, well, I'm not that proficient in that. Well, why, do we, why are we so hesitant to become proficient in God's word? And then the second part to think about, what would cause this to change? What would it take for you to say, I'm going to know God's word. I'm 78, and I'm about to know God's word. I'm 28, and I'm about to know God's word. I came up with two answers, and I don't know. There may be more, but these are the two that I came up with. There's either a point when you understand who Christ is and what he's done. He's our Savior. He forgives us of sin. Um, and, when, and when you understand that, you say, well, I, I want to know more about him. I want to know uh, where he came from, what he's doing, what his plan was, why he had to come, and you decide, I'm going to start spending time in God's Word. Here's the other one. The other one is this. The other thing that would drive us to to want to know God's Word is when we've just crashed and burned, and your teeth are knocked out, and your ears cut off, and you're limping along on one leg, and, and you go, you know what? I don't understand. I don't want to do this anymore, and I'm about to see what God has said. I'm about to go to his Word, and, and you're going to find me proficient in his word. I think those are the things that change our minds and our heart. Number one, you start to see Christ. 
Number two, you've had enough of enough, and you want to see what God has said. All right, verse 21. Do not let them depart from your sight. Listen to these words. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Uh, this verse represents the really the effort part of walking in godly wisdom. You have to endeavor to take it in. It doesn't just happen. Some folks, well, I got saved when church got baptized, but I never know why my life didn't change that much. Never knew uh, what God was saying. It doesn't just happen. You have to endeavor to take it in. It has to be constant, which means, okay, I'm going to take in God's word. I'm going to take in God's word. And it has to be deliberate. I'm going to do it on Monday. I'm going to do it on Tuesday. If it's not deliberate, it will not happen. Um, I want you to notice this in verse 21. It says God's word in your sight becomes God's word in your heart. And I think that's a very profound thing. The more you read it, the more you hear it, the more you study it, the more it becomes part of you. And so, hey, I, I, I have an opportunity to sin. I have an opportunity to make a decision to honor God or not. God's word that I've put in my sight becomes God's word in my heart and then has an impact. You've got to take it in. You've got to take it in. You've got to put it in your sight, and then it will change your heart. I said this about a month or two or four ago. I think it all runs together. But if you were to, if you were to um, eat like a wild person for all of last year, and you, you have a feast, and you have Thanksgiving, and you have Christmas, and you have Oreos in the car, and you got ribeyes, and you eat, and you eat, and you have mashed potatoes, and you have hash browns and a giant breakfast with gravy, and you eat like a crazy person all of last year, but then one day this year you said, I'm not eating, and you didn't eat for 30 days. Probably be dead. Might go another 10 or 15, I don't know. Might go a little longer. Um, it's the same way with God's word. However much you took in last year, the day you quit taking it in, guess what? You start to starve. Your heart starts to change. Your attitude starts to change, and it's not a good thing. I'll tell you a story, and it's true. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's true. Um, Sunday, we had Father's Day. Sunday night, we did not have church. Uh, Sunday night, we've been going through the Proverbs, and so that's pretty nice. You know, we have church, and we go home, we have lunch, and so we, we have, a, for me, a pretty slow day. Usually, I take a shower and eat and come right back and get ready for the night. Don't have to do that. And so, hey, we're going to go do this thing, and we're going to do that thing. And it's funny, in just one day, um, by 9 o'clock, I was thinking, you know what's best for me? It's the, the best thing for me is to be in church. I, I get away, and I start thinking, I'd like to find that guy somewhere, and I'm going to settle a score with that guy. And I start thinking, you know what? I don't like what they said. And I start thinking about that. And then I start thinking about, well, nobody comes to church on Sunday night anyway, and what the heck's wrong with them? And I don't know what you have to do, put a bomb in their house? I don't give how you're going to, and I start worried about that, and I start thinking, and, and it just starts, and I go to bed, and I'm mad, and I'm foul, and upset, and I think, you know what the best thing for me is to go to church and hear God's word and let it make a difference in my life? And I'm the preacher. I'm the daggum preacher, and I just miss one, one Sunday night. The, the second you quit putting it in, you start to come undone. 
And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Billy Graham Jr. The second you stop putting it in, the world starts taking back over and those old things start to come back out. How can we daily, frequently be involved in the intake of God's word? This is probably the greatest question of your Christian walk. How do you daily, frequently be involved in the hearing of God's word? Be in church, be in a Bible study, get a Bible, read your Bible. If it's in the morning, read your Bible. If it's at lunch, you know, I've told the story a million times when I worked in the oil field, I bought a Bible, and at certain times I read the Old Testament, then I wrote the New Testament, then I wrote, read a chapter in, in Psalms and a chapter in Proverbs. You've got to say, okay, I'm, I'm not doing so well on my own. I want to take in the Word of God. Frequently, daily committed to God's Word. Verse 22. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. All right, verse 22, and it's getting very repetitive by now, and I've said it a million times on Sunday nights, and I've said it a bunch on Wednesday nights, God's way is the best way to live. It's the best way to have a marriage. It's the best way to handle your finances. It's the best way to treat your neighbor. It's the best way to be an employer or an employee. Best way to operate a church. God's way is actually the best way to live. Here's what I'm trying to say. We do not have to live by trial and error. We do not have to crash into every wall to figure out, I don't want to hit that wall anymore. Uh, we do not have to make mistakes to learn from them. And that's what I think we think. I've got to make all the mistakes, and maybe I'll learn from them. We do not have to do that. Let me read some verses. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not, do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Proverbs 14, 22. Will they not go astray who devise evil, but kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. God's way is the best way to live. God's way is the best way to live, over and over. God's way is the best way to live. We do not have to try everything out. We do not have to crash and burn to learn we do not have to live by trial and error. All right, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It is very true, very easy to see, uh, the things of life flow out of our heart. Now, what I mean by that is what you love, um, where you spend your time, what your attitude is, what your actions are, what your priorities are, are all set by the things that you love. If you love this thing, that's going to shape your priority. That's going to be how you spend your time. And so the, the love of your heart uh, influences the actions and the attitudes, the priorities of your life. Uh, 
Uh, our hearts can be given to God or they can be overcome by our flesh, the things we want to do and the desires of the world. So we see that what your heart is is what your life's going to look like. What you, what you prioritize in your heart is going to show up in the actions of your life. But how do you guard your heart? So it says what's in your heart is going to come out. How do you guard your heart? Now, let me, let me go slow through this. It's, it's not hard, but I don't know why we fight against it. What shapes our hearts are the things that have influence over our hearts. Uh, very simply, what we allow to influence our hearts is going to show up or have any influence in our heart is going to show up in the attitude of our heart. Um, they say, what you are, what you eat. Well, in the same way, what you take in, what you allow in, what you allow to have an influence is going to impact your heart. So the question is, what are you allowing to shape your heart? Who is helping shape your heart? Is it the culture? Is it the people you run with? Is it the, the desires of your flesh? Do you allow your heart to be shaped by the sinful things around us? The verse says this too, diligently protect your heart. I think we're very flippant. We're very easy. I want to protect my heart, and when I need to, I will. I think that's kind of what we think. You have to be diligent. You got to be dedicated to it. That means you got to be careful. You got to be consistent, and you got to be vigilant in the process. I do not know why we are so careless in what we allow to influence us. And I, and I don't care what we think. I can, I can take it. I can see that and not be impacted. I can go those places with those people, and it won't impact me. I won't be like that. I can listen to that all day long, and it's not going to matter to me. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, I know that's just on TV. Well, I, you know, I, I can't do all these things right all the time. And we have all these excuses instead of being careful to guard what comes in and shapes our heart. All right, verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. All right, verse 24, here's the process. Um, we're going to walk in godly wisdom. It's telling us how. We have more instruction in verse 24. Now, I think I have misunderstood this verse uh, probably for a long time. This week I read it about 20 times, and I think, okay, now I understand that verse. I kind of have always thought that we shouldn't have a devious mouth, devious speech. I shouldn't have deceptive speech. So put a deceptive mouth far from me. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be a gossip. And I kind of read that, so put a devious mouth far from you. Okay, don't be that person. That's not what it's talking about. It is saying that we should avoid the deceptive mouth, the devious speaker. And so here's a person that's going to lie, gossip, speak things that are dishonoring to God. Don't take that in. Don't listen to it. Whatever format that is, get away from it. We must be careful to take in truth alone. God's word is truth. He tells us that in John chapter 17. He tells us whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is good. We have to be careful that what we're taking in 
uh, is truth, blesses God, honors God. We have to be deliberate in that. All right, let me tell you some places that we take in non-truth. And, and here's just some that I thought of, and there's probably more than this. How do we get non-truth into our hearts, into our ears? TV and entertainment. I, I thought about this. This has to be the biggest way now. And that could be videos, it could be YouTube, it could be on your phone. But TV and entertainment. Here's a crazy thing. And I, I've thought about this the last few years. Go on Facebook, go some places, and someone will say, I was thinking about this movie for my 11-year-old. Is this a good movie? I was thinking about this movie for my 14-year-old. Is this a good movie? And folks from churches will say, well, there's only three F-words and two GDs and only four sex scenes. And they'll say, well, that's good for the 11-year-olds then. We actually rate movies by how many cuss words. I don't know what the limit is, but evidently there's a limit to it. Now, seven of them's fine, but nine, that's just not going to work in my house. As for me and my house, we follow the Lord. Um, and so how many sex scenes? How many homosexual sex scenes? How many underage sex scenes? And we actually rate movies that way. And we go, well, that's how we rate it for kids. Why is it any different for a believer? You know what I don't need to hear? Seven F words. You know what I don't need to hear? Three GDs. You know what I don't need to hear? Seven whatever lewd sex acts. See, that's insane. How do, does that honor God? Is that going to build how I think up? TV, entertainment, media, associations, and friends. And I'll just tell you, you can get with a bunch of folks and your language will change. Your attitude will change. Your responses will change. We take in a lot of nonsense going, well, I've been buddies with him since whatever, and, and we have to shut that off. False teachers in our world, teaching garbage, teaching nonsense, not teaching the Bible. Worldly education. God's word's not true in this area. God's word's not true in this area, and we're taking in non-truth. All right, here's a question for discussion, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, just something to think about. If a TV show movie or popular book depicts life in a way counter to the truth of God. Here's what God says, and here's what the TV show or, or movie is going to say. How should we respond to it? How should we respond to it? Now, here's some options. I'm, I'm not asking you to pick one tonight. Here's option one. Avoid it totally. I'm not watching that. Here's another one. Watch it, but understand that we believe differently. I, I don't believe that. I wouldn't do that. Here's another one. Don't worry about it. I think a lot of folks go, don't worry about it. That's not me. That's fake. It's on TV. Um, don't worry about it. Here's, here, um, here's another one. Yell at others for watching it. They think, well, I've got to tell everybody. I've got to yell at everybody else. Um, if your goal is to become Christ-like, and to fill your mind with the things of Christ, somewhere you're going to have to start deciding on answers. Does that impact you? Are you honest enough to say that it does impact you? Are you honest enough to say how much it impacts you? And then go back to the definition. And what would it be to diligently protect your heart? Um, what would it be to actually protect your heart? All right, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Let your eyes look directly ahead, and let your gaze be fixed 
straight in front of you. All right, verse 25 goes, it seems like it just gets harder uh, every step, but verse 25 gets more dogged, um, determined in the effort to avoid sin and walk in righteousness. Here's what it says. We have to be single-minded in the effort. Um, that's a very interesting picture in that verse. The world is trying to distract you. Now, the world's trying to get you to look over here. The, the world's trying to get you to go down a different path, to cause you to look elsewhere. And the answer is, you have to have a fixed gaze. Now, this morning, I, Will decided he wants to make a video for YouTube about trapping um, possums or something. He was trapping on the river. And he goes back and he sets this cage and he finds a, a path that goes by and he makes a left turn with the dog food that goes into the trap. He caught a raccoon this morning. And I was thinking about that picture, what is that raccoon? He's just, he's a raccoon, he's got it made. But he's going by and he sees some dog food to the left. And the next thing you know, he's caught in a trap and his hand's broken and the kid's riding him off on a four-wheeler. Um, that's the same thing here. It's a left turn. It's a right turn. It's saying it's not a big deal. It's saying it doesn't matter. And the answer is actually having a fixed gaze. You know what? I'm going to honor Christ. I'm going to stay away from sin. I, I'm not going to be uh, flippant in what I take in and allow to shape my heart. And actually having a fixed gaze. Here's two questions. First one is this. Does that seem impossible? And there was a lot of years I would say, that's impossible. You can't shut those doors. That's impossible. I'll tell you this. It might be impossible, but I'm going to try it. And so, hey, I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to say, you know what? I don't, I have all the mess I need, all the trouble I need. I'm actually going to try to fix my gaze on the things that honor Christ, and I'm going to try to walk that way. Here's the other one, and no one likes this. Is that too radical? And I think we live in an age where people say, that's just radical. That's too crazy. That's getting, can't you just be normal? You've just gotten crazy now. You know what? This is a radical gospel, and we have a radical truth that's going to require radical responses. All right, verse 26. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Watch the path of your feet. Here's what verse 26 says. Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. Now, this isn't just out for a walk. Where are you going in your life? What is your goal in your life? Is it just to get to the end? Is it just, hey, I put my faith in Christ one time, went to heaven? Is it to, hey, I made it and we kept the bills paid until we died? Is it to get your kids raised and then move on to a different part of life? What is the goal of your life? Well, as believers, our goal should be to honor Christ, to, to imitate Christ, and to walk in the, in the obedience to Christ. You're going to have to know where you're going and what the goal is, and then you're actually going to have to watch that. Does this add up for my goal? Does this lead me to my goal? Um, we have to be deliberate. Most of the time, I go back to that first example, we adjust on the way. So you're on the, you're on the way and you go, does this honor Christ? Does it not? Well, maybe. Do I care if it honors Christ or not? Well, I don't know. And you're deciding as you go. You have to say beforehand, my goal is to honor Christ. My goal is to walk with Christ. I've set my gaze there, and that's going to be my path. 
Verse 26 says, if you know where you're going and you've decided on where you're going, your path is going to be firm. So that means this. If you know where you're going and you're committed to walking to get there, you're not going to have all the crazy pit stops, not going to have all the wheels fall off the wagon. God is going to walk with you in peace as you walk in obedience to what he says. Now what that means is we have to resolve ahead of time and then here's what I've added to that. We have to resolve ahead of time, but we probably have to resolve frequently to be led by God's word. Now, ahead of time means this. I've decided I'm going to live by God's word ahead of time. Frequently means at 10 o'clock, at 2 o'clock, um, at 4 o'clock, tomorrow, Thursday, weekends. I, I've got to frequently remind myself because I can, I can have a Sunday night and go, I don't know, I may make a left turn tonight. We have to frequently remind ourselves from God's word that our goal is to honor God, stay away from sin, seek God's direction, and walk in obedience. Our plan is to honor God, stay away from sin, walk in obedience. Here's the question for you. Is your path predetermined or are you just skipping through life and seeing how it turns out? Do you know where you are going? Do you know where you are going? All right, verse 27, last verse. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Do not turn to the right nor turn to the left. Turn your foot from evil. All right, verse 27, there's two directions, two directives in verse 27. First is this, you have to keep your eyes on the path of righteousness. I'm gonna honor God. I'm gonna live according to his word. I have to keep my eyes there. I've got to stay in his word. I've got to be in church and hear his word. I've got to keep my eyes there. And that, that's a constant thing. That is a committed thing that you have to do. The second is this. We have to flee from evil. Turn your foot from it. We have to flee from evil. It actually translates literally turn and escape from evil. Remember, it was, it was exactly this time last year that we had the, the ladies' event, and the ladies talked about their testimonies here. And remember, Shirley Watts said something very profound about a pit. And she said there's a pit, and, and in the pit is, is death and destruction and, and trouble, and sin is what leads us to the pit. And she said for a lot of life, we think, I want to get as close to the pit as I can and maybe a little bit closer to the pit, and it didn't cave off yet, and it might be fun to be a little bit closer to the pit. But she said the pit always caves off, and you end up in the pit. Why not get away from the pit? If three feet's better, six feet's better than that. That's what this is saying. Don't try to tempt yourself with sin. Don't try to see how strong you are. You're not that strong. Don't try to see, well, my heart's better, and it can take it. Don't tempt yourself. Flee from sin. Don't need to hear it. Don't need to see it. Don't need to be around it. Don't need to be around others that are encouraging it. Flee from sin. Here's what I figured out, and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. For some reason, we want it both ways, which means this. I want to follow Christ, and, and I want everybody to see me come in here and go out of here, but I also want to go to those movies, hear these songs, go to these places, participate in these events, and I want the two things to be fine. And I, I don't know what is attractive about entertaining sin. 
when you see divorces, when you see broken homes, when you see guilt and shame, when you see train wrecks, uh, when you see pain, there's nothing attractive about it. Why don't we just say, this is not going to end well. There's nothing attractive about it. And, and get away from it. Keep a distance from it. Here's a question. Are you ever immune to falling to sin? And I, and I go, We're, you're dumb if you think that you are. Paul says, watch yourself lest you yourself should fall. I don't care how long you've been in church. Don't care how many verses you know. Don't care how many God-honoring decisions you've made. The next one could be an absolute train wreck. We mess up. Walk in righteousness. Decide to follow God's word. Flee from evil. Get away from it. And then here's the good news. And I, and I was thinking about all of these lessons we want to end with Christ. Here's the good news. Let me tell you the good news. This lesson, nobody in here has got it right. We've messed up. We've sinned. We've, we've, we've wrecked the train. We've had good intentions and not pulled it off. And for that, we have a Savior that forgives us restores us, renews us, and puts us back on the right path. You know what we do? Hey, we draw a line, we turn, and we go back with Christ. He forgives, he renews, he restores. I hear this, and I think if you hear this wrong, you think, well, that's a tough message. No, God has the best thing for you. He has the best thing for your home, for your marriage, for your kids, for your business, for your sleep. He has the best thing for you. When you mess it up, he'll forgive you, but if you'll turn and walk with him, he will bless it. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Glad y'all are here. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you. I praise we've heard your word. I pray, Lord, that we would have had enough of the goofy trouble of this world and we'd be ready to walk with Christ. I pray that you would lead us that you would direct us in your word. I pray that our hearts would be ready to hear, that our feet would be ready to walk in obedience, and I pray that it would be a blessing to you and a blessing to us. I pray for our kids and our grandkids, our youth that are hearing in our church tonight, I pray that they're not going to have to fall in the pit, that they're not going to have to make all the, the mistakes to learn. I pray that they take your word for uh, your truth, your word, and they would walk accordingly. I pray for us as adults and that we have listened, that we've been shaped tonight. I pray that we have a renewed commitment uh, to walk with you, and I pray that you bless that and grow that. I pray, Lord, for our church, that you would bless it, that you would use it. I pray for uh, the, the, the ladies' event coming up, that you'd be at the center of that, speak through that. I, I pray for the, the kids' camp coming up, that your truth would be laid out through that. Pray for all the activities of summer, that you would be known through them. And then, and then I pray as we, as we assemble on Sundays uh, that it's your truth we hear and that you are pleased and you are known and we are built up and grown in that. Uh, we're thankful for good days. We're thankful for a gracious Savior. We're thankful for forgiveness of sin. Uh, we're thankful that you do not leave us, do not walk off from us. Don't throw us in a trash heap. Uh, we tell you we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here.